What it do? Welcome to another episode of Cue the Review. I'm your host, Keese. I know this episode is a little late, a couple days. Uh, To be honest, your boy just wasn't feeling it. Shit. Uh, You know, like, uh, had to get my mental right. I had to take a few days off. I was in a little funk. You know, like your boy Marshawn Lynch says, take care of your chickens and your mentals. That's what I was doing. But, you know, I'm back. And uh, let's hop into some movie news. So, Keanu Reeves says that Constantine 2 is happening. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Constantine is a movie he did a few, well, not a few years back. I don't know, maybe close to 10 years ago. Uh, it's a DC character. He plays a guy who's, um, he committed suicide gets sent to hell, uh, but winds up making a deal with the devil to come back. Um, and then he uses his time on earth to basically exercise demons and send them back to hell uh, every time they try to escape. Uh, so, you know, really cool movie. I liked it a lot, so I'm definitely excited about this. Uh, there was a Constantine TV show not too long ago. I uh, didn't do too well, got canceled. I love the show. Uh, they did wind up bringing the character back on one of those DC shows like Legends of Tomorrow or something like that. But yeah, definitely excited to see Keanu back in the in the, the lead role. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be like they're going to use this movie to jump off the uh, the um, DC dark films. I don't really know what those are, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully DC gets their shit together. Anyway, uh, what else we got? Disney announces that all films that were shut down due to COVID uh, have either restarted or completed filming. So that's a good thing. And uh, in other news, Disneyland is expected to close, stay closed until early 2021. So, you know, some good and some bad news for Disney. Let's see. Ah, Mission Impossible 7 is bringing back Angela Bassett's CIA character. So, shout out to Auntie Angela. Hopefully she gets a bigger role. I did like her in the the last movie. So, you know, there's that. And uh, with that being said, now we're going to get into our movie of the week. This one is going to be Crimson Tide. As you no doubt heard, my exo has appendicitis. Your name was at the top of the list. That's good to know, sir. It was a short list. There's trouble in Russia. So they called us. And we're going over there and bringing the most lethal killing machine ever devised. The last time we hit this state of emergency was 32 and a half years ago during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So this is what it's all about, gentlemen. It's what we train for. Diving officers from the ship make a depth 150 feet. On the 1MC, dive, dive. All right, so Crimson Tide uh, is directed by Tony Scott, RIP. Uh, his film credits include Unstoppable, The Taking of Pelham 123, uh, Deja Vu, Man on Fire, Enemy of the State, and uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Top Gun. Uh, as well as several other hits. Like, the dude, his film credits are 
pretty long, him and his brother. Uh, let's see, the film marks the first time him and Denzel worked together, but as you can see from the list, it definitely wasn't the last. I think they worked together a total of five times. Uh, one could say they were kind of like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, or Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. So I guess like every great director has their, their go-to guy. Uh, the movie has quite a few notable actors in it. The two leads are, of course, uh, Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, who kill it. Uh, but there's also Viggo Mortensen, James Gandolfini, a.k.a. Tony Soprano, uh, Steve Zahn, James Leisure, uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway with her fine self, uh, and a young, almost unnoticeable uh, Ryan Phillippe. Like, he he was so young that I didn't even realize he was in the movie until I went to write this thing up and I had to go back and look. I was like, man, it's crazy. You know, uh, which is weird because the first time I remember ever seeing Ryan Phillippe was in I Know What You Did Last Summer, which came out in 98. And this movie came out in 95. So in that three years, he really his appearance really changed. I guess he, he had a growth spurt or something. Anyway, uh, the budget for this movie. 53 million, pretty heavy for a movie back in 1995. Uh, brought in 157.4 million, so not a huge profit, but it didn't lose the studio anything, so that's def that definitely makes it a success. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the score on this one is pretty close. Uh, the critics gave it an 88%, audience gave it an 83%. So it's weird, usually either the critics love it, and the audience hates it, or vice versa. Uh, typically, the movies I watch, the critics hate, audience loves. Uh, but yeah, this one seems that pretty much anyone who watches it loves it, or at least likes it. So, you know, those of you who haven't seen it should definitely go check it out. I would say it's definitely one of Denzel's best movies. Uh, he gives a amazing performance, and then you know, Gene Hackman, legend. So, not saying Denzel's not. He's probably the greatest actor of all time or at least one of them anyway uh i gave this movie a five out of five and really i mean for a movie that's pretty much set in one space the entire time uh i think they do a fantastic job of keeping your attention because when you think about it a huge part of the movie watching experience is visual so uh, if there aren't any like amazing, amazing action shots or like spectacular views of scenery and things, uh, the acting and dialogue has to be top notch. So yeah, this film, it definitely is. Uh, they definitely de deliver on the acting and the suspense. So, um, yeah, the movie, uh, it's about Russian rebels. They take control of some ICBMs, which for those of you who uh, don't play Call of Duty or, <laughs> or haven't been to the military or anything. Uh, it stands for Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. Uh, the Americans mobilize uh, among the vessels sent in uh, sent over there is a nuclear sub, the USS Alabama. Uh, but before they leave, they need a new XO. Uh, and among the choices is Commander Hunter, played by Denzel. Uh, Hunter has never been in a combat situation. But the ship's captain, Ramsey, who's played by Gene Hackman, uh, he okays him anyway. While on the way, there was an incident, uh, and Hunter disagreed with how Ramsey handled it. Uh, it's evident that Ramsey doesn't think much of Hunter, 
because Hunter was a college educated, uh, you know, he was college educated, so he didn't work his way up through the ranks. Uh, when it comes to the military, uh, you come in as an officer if you've got a degree. So here's that. Uh, so Ramsey, he worked his way up the ranks the hard way. Uh, they're given orders to attack. But when they were in the process of receiving another order, the ship's communications were damaged. So the entire message wasn't received. Uh, Ramsey decides to continue with their previous order while Hunter wants to reestablish contact first. Because uh, the original order was basically to launch nuclear weapons at Russia. So, you know, uh, if that other message was telling them to stop and they launched anyway, I mean, that's going to start World War III. So... Uh, but anyway, that's when the two men butt heads, uh, that ends with Hunter actually relieving Ramsey of command. Uh, I'm not going to go into too many more details, uh, but it's at this point in the movie where like all the drama and action starts to unfold. Um, let's see my favorite scene in this movie. I'd say it's when commander Hunter, uh, relieves, uh, the captain of his command uh, Denzel was really acting his ass off in this scene. All right. Like it's the, the back and forth between him and Hackman. Uh, in my opinion, it's award worthy. And honestly, it, it might be some of the best acting Denzel has ever done. I'm not saying this is his best movie, but just that scene, like the lines, the way he delivered them, like his mannerisms, his like his facial expressions, like he was definitely on point in that one. Uh, let's see. Now we're going to move into some trivia. Uh, so first thing, since the U.S. the U.S. Navy would not cooperate with the filming of this movie, the French Navy allowed the use of one of their triumphant class uh, ballistic missile submarines, along with the air aircraft carrier Foch, Foch, I don't know, F-O-C-H, if you speak French and you know what the hell I'm talking about, for several scenes. Anyway, uh, the U.S. Navy found the subject of the film objectionable and inaccurate. Uh, it refused to provide any assistance in the movie's making. Let's see what else we got. Uh, the scene in which the USS Alabama is diving for the first time is footage of the real submarine sub uh, submerging. Tony Scott was following along, following along in a helicopter, obtaining shots of the ship, when the captain of the Alabama requested that the helicopter cease filming, uh, they submerged, which is what director Tony Scott was hoping for anyway. Uh, what else we got? Tony Scott obtained footage of the real Alabama departing Pearl Harbor through possibly illegal means. A paid civilian informant tipped off Scott to the day and time of Alabama's sortie from port. I don't know what sortie means, but... Uh, I'm guessing it means departure. Anyway, um, this is an obvious violation of Navy ship movement regulations. Scott then had cameras, boats, and a helicopter on standby to film the, the surface sub. Reportedly, the Alabama's captain re uh, requested assistance uh, to remove the film crew, but then simply decided to submerge the sub prematurely. Uh, footage Scott was hoping to, attain, hoping to obtain anyway. Uh, although the Navy issued a formal protest about using its equipment in the film without permission, it was not illegal as the sub was in public view and they could do nothing to prevent it. 
interestingly, Scott was hoping only to obtain footage of an Ohio-class sub in motion on the surface. Uh, the fact that the boat was the actual Alabama was sheer coincidence. And then, let's see, according to a 1995 Premier Magazine article, when uh, Quentin Tarantino visited the set, Denzel Washington confronted him about the use, <laughs> about his use of the word nigger in his films. Uh, Tarantino got embarrassed and wanted to move the conversation to a more private area. Uh, Washington said, no, if we're going to discuss it, let's discuss it now. <laughs> That's a real nigger for you right there. Shout out to Denzel. Uh, in a 2012 interview with GQ, uh, Washington, Washington said that he contacted Tarantino a few years after production and apologized for embarrassing him, asking, uh, are you going to walk around with, the, with that grudge for the rest of your life? He also called Tarantino a fine artist. Uh, the same year, Washington's daughter, Katia Washington, uh, worked as a production assistant on Tarantino's Django Unchained. Um... It was definitely a lot, a lot of niggers in Django. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer uh, originally offered Val Kilmer one of the headlining roles, but he declined. Years later, Kilmer noted uh, it was one of the few films that he wished he had agreed to be in. The role offered to Kilmer by Simpson and Bruckheimer uh, was never formally sp uh, specified, but I could... Definitely see him playing the character that uh, Viggo Mortensen played. So, you know, if I had to take a guess, that's who it would be. Uh, what else we got? The last 60 minutes of the movie is almost in real time. Uh, 60 minutes to launch, 60 minutes to the end credits. The set used for the bridge of the USS Alabama was also used as the USS George's Bridge in Independence Day in 1996. Uh, the film marked the first of five collaborations between Tony Scott and Denzel Washington before Scott's death in 2012. Uh, it was also the third time Scott worked with James Gandolfini, with whom he would work uh, with four times in total. So he had his go-to guys. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. He passed on the part of Captain Ramsey. And yeah, that's it for trivia. Uh, now we're going to move into our top five. So uh, I'm going to do a top five Tony Scott movie. <laughs> so, uh, I know you're all like sitting here listening and waiting to hear my top five Denzel movies. And I just threw y'all a curveball. But, you know, I plan on saving those for another episode. I think I'm going to do training day uh, with some special guests. So. Uh, you get to hear multiple people's opinions on, you know, the top five Denzel movies. I mean, it's, it's only right for a legend such as Denzel. So, uh, without further ado, top five Tony Scott movies. Number one, you know, comes as no, su no surprise, of course, uh, Top Gun. Like, I've loved that movie since I was like three years old, you know. Uh, I used to have my mom rent the VHS all the time. I have no idea why she didn't just buy it, but, uh, maybe written it was better for her pockets. <laughs> anyway, uh, number two is going to be this movie, Crimson Tide. Number three, Man on Fire. 
uh, which I think is an underrated Denzel movie. People don't give that enough credit. Number four, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Hilarious. And in my opinion, the best of the uh, Beverly Hills Cop series. And then last but, last but not least, number five, a movie that a lot of people crap on, Deja Vu. Uh, with Denzel Washington and uh, what is that lady's name? Paula Patton. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic movie. I watch it every time it's on TV. Um, probably not one of Denzel's best movies. I don't think it would make my top five, but no, I really like the movie. So yeah, there we go. Anyway, I'm going to try to hit y'all with another episode at the normal time on Saturday. Maybe Sunday. I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling this week. Anyway, though, uh, like, listen, share, subscribe. Uh, shout out to my international listeners. I don't know how I keep gaining more of y'all, but, you know, shout out to y'all. Um, yeah, tell a friend to tell a friend. And, yeah, everybody stay safe out there. Rona's coming back hard. So catch y'all next week.